0: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and you join us here today to talk about a very specific watch. Now, I've seen a lot of watches in my time, and this is unlike all of them. This is uh, both unexpected, unusual, and also, if you think about it, a little bit too hard, perhaps a bit disappointing. But we'll get to that. Tom, uh, the Rescence Type 3, black, 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 is this the first Rescence you've come across?
2: I don't think I've seen one in the flesh. I've seen one from a healthy distance. But yeah, it, it's not easily forgettable, this watch, is it? They've got a very unique identity to them, recent watches.
1: Well, maybe, maybe I'll cover a little bit about uh, the, the brand itself, actually, because um, I've been fortunate enough to have been in contact with Benoit since the very, very beginning, right back when he had this crazy idea for this watch, which we'll talk about in a little bit more detail in a moment. Um but he has always struck me as someone who, uh, when it comes to watchmaking, is different. When you meet watchmakers, they're all of a very similar ilk. They have a similar mentality to pursue a level of quality and finesse within the traditional world of watchmaking. But Benoit's approach to it was very, very different. I would I would seat him more in the point of view of uh, engineer than I would watchmaker. Uh, and a bit like we were talking about that JLC quadriptic. The four dialed reverso. His approach to watchmaking is beyond the traditional. It's a completely new way of thinking, and it's it's quite remarkable. Um, but I, I've, I've seen this watch evolve. Uh, it's, it's one concept. This, this type three, and it's been up to uh, there's been a type five version with different iterations, and a, a type zero version that's really uh, stripped back to its uh, to its very basics. And it, it of course started with a, a type one. And I remember seeing the original prototypes and uh, talking to Benoit about the problems that he'd had trying to make it and the, uh, the difficulties he'd had to overcome. But one thing that really sticks in my mind about him was just how enthusiastic he was, but also how undaunted he was by the sheer scale of what he was doing. Because at, on the outset here, I said that this watch is disappointing. I might as well just jump into the reason why this watch is disappointing for many, many people. This is a $40,000 watch powered by an ETA 2824. Just a regular ETA 2824 off the shelf. That is a $150 movement. It's nothing special. And so that on paper makes this thing very, very disappointing. And so he faced a lot of backlash in designing this, in making it both from the industry and from uh, people like us, the, the potential audience. But now we've had a chance to understand what he's doing and see it in action and see it become refined. It's, it's spectacular. It really is. Um, and I'll never forget meeting him and hearing his stories about approaching different people to help him realise the dream that he had in his head and how difficult it was for him to get there. And it's so great to finally see this watch here, this Type 3. So um, tell me a little bit specifically about the Type 3 BBB.
2: Yeah, so, so this is a, 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 a limited edition variation on um, the already existing Type 3 and this has um, removed some, some colour detail and, and made it all kind of black and monochromatic um, in titanium. But uh, the titanium case is actually just a sort of, it's like a slither of a band through the middle of um, two curved sapphire crystals front and back, which give it this really, really nice smooth black pebble shape. Um, there are 376 components in this watch, um, and it's 79 grams. Now
1: that's, um, uh, yeah. Well, I think a, a Submariner is 150, 200, something like that, and one of the lightest watches ever, uh, one of the Richard Mills, is around the 25 grams. So it's it's not it's not paper light.
2: I think yeah, because it's titanium and glass, it's probably going to wear very light
1: on the wrist. Um, and from the very first one of these that I've, I've held, and the, the, the Type 3 especially has really refined that shape, it's, it's almost as nice to just hold in the palm of your hand as it is to wear on the wrist. And I, I do have a very strong urge to put it in my mouth.
2: <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, I had a very strong urge to take the strap off of it and just spin it on the table, like a top. But that's very satisfying.
1: I think they could probably make a, uh, a paperweight version, minus the lugs and the strap, and you just have the lump of the thing, and you can just hold it. My my pocket watch, I, it's a similar sort of shape, and I like just to hold it. There's something very comforting about it, <laughs> and I, I could see this being marketed in the same way. Yeah, yeah, fits fits right in the palm of your hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but the display—that's that's what really fascinates me. Yeah, you mentioned 376 components. Uh, to, to give some context, to that, the the ETA two eight two four uh, that has been so lamented is around. 150 components so that that gives you some way to understand what else is going on here to make this thing work um but it's the display that fascinates me most um
2: yeah so this has got a uh, the rocks rocs the rescence orbital convex system where the the time displays that's time date day and in this case temperature um we'll come on to what that is for later is represented as as separate little discs um which are all laid out on the on the dial and they all rotate around the dial like uh like moons orbiting a planet is how resonance puts it but i like to think of it more as uh, a teacup ride (laughs) So yeah all these all these little dials just the hands tick around on them and the, and the di- the little dials themselves the little discs rotate around um in orbit as well and it looks very very pleasing uh, obviously in real time it's quite subtle but when you see um press material or, or a time lapse of the uh of the watch sped up it it's really fun and actually I think hopefully in the Type 6, he can add a little button that makes it dance, where you can just sort of hit that and it gives it a whiz and you can see the very pleasing
1: orbital animation of the discs. <laughs> yeah, maybe like a bit like the FP Jean uh, elegant where it um, it pauses itself when you're not using it and then when you give it a shake, it all goes back to where it should be. That'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? Um, but you you mentioned the Rescence Orbital Convex System. This This module that sits on the top half of the the dial, uh, the top half of the watch, sorry, that allows the movement to transfer its typical hours and minutes to this very, very specific display. As you mentioned, it's a planetary arrangement of gears, but there's something even more special about it that was uh, one of the big difficulties that Benoit had to overcome in the early days of making this watch. What you don't necessarily see from just pictures of this watch and without taking it apart is that the gears aren't all aligned on a single plane. So when you think of watchmaking, you think of gears that are all flat next to each other, and if they go up a layer, it's um, it's stepped. But these gears that drive each of the dials in this planetary arrangement are actually arranged in a convex pattern, i.e. like the inside of a spoon. So the gears aren't meshing to each other on a single plane, they're meshing at angles to each other, which is basically unheard of in watchmaking.
2: Very strange.
1: Uh, yeah, and this this is really what uh, adds to all of the complication of these extra uh, few hundred components above and beyond the ETA. Uh, and I, I believe it's a, a patented system as well. Um, and I remember a little tidbit that uh, that Benoit shared with me, and I don't know if this is still the case, but being someone who was very, very interested in design, he actually had all of the wheels in that uh, resonance orbital convex system all modelled after a different type of uh, BBS car wheel design that he really, really liked. So each one looked like a different car wheel, all buried underneath the system. You'd never see it. And it was just for him, just a little design touch that he injected into it.
2: Blimey. And how does he get the uh, the curvation in in each wheel as well? Is it just a case of popping them all on the rad for a couple of hours and then uh, giving them a squeeze?
1: <laughs> he puts them all in his back pocket and sits down (laughs)
2: yeah
1: Uh, no the the wheels themselves are flat and it's the way they interact with each other uh, and the mounting system that has the anglage to it Uh, so it's very very complicated very very complicated that's very clever
2: yeah the other thing of note is, uh, so I mentioned earlier, it has this very, very pleasing, um, smooth, pebble-like shape to the uh, the crystal. It, it wraps all the way round, um, and actually the, the date indicators are on the edge, almost on the side of the case, as it were. But you get no refraction or distortion. It's all very legible. When you would sort of look through the glass, if you <laughs> Think of a, a quorum bubble. You um, you would get huge distortion if you looked at it at any other w- angle besides face on. But it's not the case with this. Obviously, it's not as um, bulbous as the quorum bubble. Um, why would it be? Why would anything be? I mean, come on. But yeah, there's, it's so clear, it almost looks like a screen, especially with the, the white on black. It, it looks like an LCD or an OLED-type screen. The, the numerals and the markers and the hands and everything are so crisp behind this glass. But there's a, there's a trick to how that is accomplished. Hot oil, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I believe Benoit was lathering himself in baby lotion one day when the thought struck him. That he could take his uh, resonance watch and fill that front cavity with oil. He was oiling himself up, and some sloshed on on the watch, the prototype. And he, you know, that's how these things always happen, isn't it? That's right. That was his eureka moment. That was the apple falling on his head. <laughs> the the oil falling on his watch. Um, so oil-filled dials aren't necessarily a new thing. Uh, within diving watches, they are used to help equalise pressure between the inside and the outside of a watch. Oil is much uh, more dense. Right. But the side effect of that is that oil has the same refractive index or very close to glass. So it no longer looks like you're looking through a layer of glass and then there's a gap. For all intents and purposes, as far as your eyes are concerned, it is glass all the way to the dial. And what that has the uncanny effect of doing is making it look like everything within the dial is printed right on the very top layer of The crystal, like you said, like a screen, which is why a lot of people have referred to this as a mechanical smartwatch, which is a lazy analogy. This reminds me more of... um, I don't know if you've ever looked at a Kindle, like an e-ink screen, when it just has that utter, utter clarity. Yeah, yeah. This is what that has. You don't even see the mechanical joins between the wheels and things within the dial, because the oil also adds contrast to the the black as well. So it has this very high-quality very uh, crisp and very immediate look to it, which is exaggerated even by the curve of the crystal as well. It, it just seems like there is no dial. It's fantastic.
2: I'm sure the oil is injected into the watch in a very precise manner, and the amount in which they insert into it is very, very precise. Um, but I wonder, are there any bubbles? If you were to give it a shake, <laughs> would you, could you give it a bit of a slosh around to see any bubbles?
1: Well, it's, it's funny you should mention that, because that is a very real problem. Really? Uh, one of the things that oil does in temperature is contract when it is cold and expand when it's hot. I personally do the same thing. Yeah, like my shorts. <laughs> and uh, so they fill the, this top half, the module, with a very specific amount of oil. And when it heats up or when it cools down, if it's too full, it would leak. But if it wasn't full enough, you would see an air bubble and that air bubble would inevitably want to float to the top. And some of the oil filled watches that have been uh, made in the past do have an oil bubble in, and that's just part of the thing. This is one of the other engineering problems, like, like the orbital convex system that Benoit has had to deal with. And what he's chosen to do is insert a block of seven bellows. Imagine like an accordion, how it squishes in and out. And these these bellows are flexible cavities that allow the oil to expand into when it gets hotter, and when the oil gets cooled and shrinks, the bellows push up and keep it all uh, airtight, so there's no bubble. Uh, th- the watch can go between minus 5 degrees and plus 55. So unless you're going to go to the moon or something with it, then... Absolutely fantastic.
2: Yeah, decent leeway there. Yeah, exactly.
1: And that's why you have that uh, temperature gauge. Yeah. It's not just a gimmick. It tells you when you are heading towards danger zone for your watch. So the, the, the white zone is the typical watchmaker's uh, temperature testing zone, which is 10 degrees Celsius to 40 degrees Celsius. The blue is to minus five and the red is to plus 55. So you can see whereabouts your watch is. And it just has a little bimetal spiral. Like you might, I think it's the same that you get in a barometer or something like that. But as temperature changes, it coils up and shrinks because the two metals that it's made out of expand at different rates. So it'll coil up or expand out, and that would drive the dial. Yeah, that is cool. And if you want to see how uh, how different it would look if it weren't oil filled, you just have to look at the case back because the case back is glass, empty cavity, and then the features behind it, and you can see it's a very, very different look. But you might be wondering, Tom... Yep. If the front is filled with oil, doesn't that make the movement all icky-sticky-icky?
2: Well, movements love oil, don't they? So that their gears can rotate treacle smooth and give you uh,
1: sweet, sweet time. <laughs> well, yeah, there are certain parts. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the, the pivot points are lubricated to keep them moving smoothly. But the balance itself is designed to beat in air. Imagine it's like trying to run have you ever had that dream where you're trying to run away from something and it feels like you're running in a swimming pool oh yeah 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 <laughs> if the balance were if the balance were submerged into oil it would behave very very differently
2: yeah like it was running away from its
1: old headmaster exactly yeah and then all its fingers fell off <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the the front half of the watch uh, that's oil filled is kept entirely separate from the back half there is no seepage between the area where the movement is and the area where the orbital convex system and dial is. So again, you might be wondering, well, how does the movement power the watch? And the miracle of all science, the answer is magnets. Hey, good old magnets. They help keys stick to you when you have them injected. It's how David Blaine does all of his stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty certain that's how they keep the moon in the sky. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty good stuff. But one thing that magnets are uh, no good at is keeping movements working properly. This is what I really like about the Resence Watch, is that it starts with this idea, this planetary display idea. And that idea leads to a problem, which is having the displays curved under the crystal. Which then leads to a problem, which is how do you make it all look slick and nice? So you put the oil in it, which leads to the problem of how do you stop the oil leaking into the watch? Which means you have the magnets, which leads to the problem, which is how do you stop the magnets from interfering with the movement half of the watch? And so there are a sequence of very small magnets, which are only driven, actually. All that's used from the ETA are the minutes. That's it. And everything else is translated back into day, date, etc., within the um, orbital convex system. Right. And so you have a a selection of small magnets that sit either side of a very, very thin titanium strip that seals the oil in, and that transfers that through. But to stop the magnetism of those little magnets escaping, running away, and then uh, binding the hairspring and causing the watch to run quickly there are then magnetic conductors that sit around the magnets, carefully placed to act as a Faraday cage to stop the magnetic field leaking out. Goodness me. It is problem after problem after problem, all very carefully and elegantly solved over several iterations of <laughs> experimentation. And I've, I've not seen anything else like it. I've not seen anyone set themselves this kind of a challenge just to show the time in a slightly different way.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's how all the uh, the great, unique watches come about, isn't it? A, ch- a challenge that one sets themselves, or is set by a rival or the mayor of Antwerp who says, if you don't do it, I'll drive you out of town. <laughs> um, I'm not sure which one this is a result of, but yeah, certainly a challenge and, and overcome as well. Yeah,
1: um, I'd, I'd love to know where that driving spirit comes from because it doesn't, doesn't come around very often in watchmaking. It's a very traditional business. Evolution in watchmaking is using what they already have to do something slightly different, but this is completely different. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that Benoit thought watches looked boring and he thought that he could do better. Um, Yeah.
2: I think that can be sometimes harder though isn't it when if there's a, a void and you need to fill it with something you know um, it, it's born of uh, a desire for something but in the case of something that already exists and is very very well established and has a very very strong aesthetic that is hard to improve on how, like that's even harder to break away from isn't it because I mean I wonder how many times he went yeah right I'm going to design
1: this thing oh no that's just a regular watch again. <laughs> Yeah, if I take... No, that that's too much. I'll take that bit out. I'll add that. Oh, bollocks. Hands. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's just a submarine. <laughs> I mean, and it also... It takes a certain amount of chutzpah to look back at several centuries of watchmaking design and say, nah... That's rubbish. Yeah. Let me show you how it's done.
2: I think he's just so shrewdly managed to pull off this balancing act of giving you giving you something that's really, really sleek and clean, but at the same time complex and familiar while being completely new and, and bonkers.
1: Yeah. It's like that um, those Heston Blumenthal type crazy restaurants where you have like, toothpaste ice cream and hedgehog fillet. And you eat it, and it does something different to your brain. There's, there is there is a trace of something familiar enough to know what you're getting into, but what comes out the other side is, is completely unique. There's a, a lot of bravery has gone into this. He has stuck with it for so long, and I'm so glad that he has. Because uh, I remember some of the first ones, a little bit rough and ready, a little bit experimental and prototypical. Uh, whereas this is it's so slick it's it's almost apple levels of slickness in a mechanical watch um, and there's something we haven't spoken about yet actually you may have noticed there is no crown part of that aesthetic is not having that horrible water of a crown sprouting from the outside symmetrical baby exactly yeah and he has uh, benoit has moved it to the back so you you turn the back to wind it you to, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't fully understand how you do all the setting and things like that. I think if it's on its front, you wind it. If it's on its back, you can set the time or something like this, and you can change the date. But it's all done through the back. Yeah. Presumably, you do it with with two thumbs. I would guess. You you, you grip and you twist it like taking a lid off a jam jar, but with less force, I'd assume. Um. But I I wonder if having all of those different functions in that one turning mechanism that doesn't do anything other than turn is a bit like, uh, you know, when you're uh, your car has a trip computer and it can tell you what fuel you've got left and it can tell you how many uh, miles per gallon you've done and you have to you have to navigate all of that with one button and it's just really fiddly. I don't know if it's like that. I'd be interested to try one. The very first ones that I tried had a knack to them to, to set. Uh, I think, that given the rest of the watch's uh, improvements here, I expect that's also vastly improved as well. Uh, but I'd love to get one in again and... Um, getting really close and show people just how this looks yeah yeah,
2: because it's not only a marvel of engineering, it also looks really cool. In addition to the the sort of crispness of the display, there's really nice, not so much in the this BBB because it's all black, but in some of the other models you've got flashes of orange and um, white dialed ones and, and there's like nice detail on
1: the strap and the clasp and, and the buckle and things like that. It's- you get the impression with this watch that every detail has been considered and refined just to the nth degree, to the point of madness. <laughs> $40,000 is a lot of money, but you're buying something very, very conceptual.
2: Yeah, it's a race car, isn't it? Would you have one? Yeah, definitely. I think it's too cool for me, though, personally. It's so sleek. Um, it, 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 it's definitely a head turner. I'm not sure if
1: I could withstand the attention. It's certainly a different experience that once you've tried an experience and you go back to a traditional watch something has changed you know something inside you has changed you you've had an experience that's moved things on a little bit and going back feels slightly disappointing um so it's quite funny then really for a watch that many years ago when it first came out when people learned that it had an eta inside and were disappointed that this high price watch was seemingly so basically powered has actually gone the other way and makes other watches themselves disappointing by comparison but if, if you are out there uh and you are a collector of watches you're one of those people who likes to go to all the corners of the globe to find the weirdest most wonderful and wackiest pieces this absolutely has to be in your collection you can't not have it it would be like the ninja turtles without donatello or blue without duncan And <laughs> um, but what do you uh dear viewers and listeners what do you think about this watch There's so much that's gone into it um, that it does venture more into the realms of engineering. Do you find that fascinating or do you find it a bit kitsch? Is this a real example of watchmaking for you or has it gone too far off the beaten track and become its own thing? Love to know what you think. And so with that very brief look at uh, Rescence and the latest Type 3 BBB, that's all for now. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, please do make sure to subscribe, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Goodbye. Bye bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?